race fans it is uh episode number 11 or maybe 12 i'm not sure i i lose track because i because i lose track i guess but welcome to after the checkers with kyle hall i am kyle hall and that guy over there is russ ebert we were just talking before we hit record here that that uh he is a bona fide legend anybody that knows anything about asphalt racing dirt track racing snowmobile racing racing in general uh russ has forgotten more about it than most people will ever ever know about racing and how to set stuff up and make it go fast so uh, i think i think that's stretching a little bit there i think that's stretching it quite a bit Kyle. no it's not it's like you're humble to a fault i think russ but it's it's um uh i i couldn't be more honored to have you on as a guest on my show and um uh, and before your son, you're you're probably more today more famous, more well known son uh, uh, than you are. But he's he's got big shoes to fill. That's for dang sure. So um, so we'll get into things here. Like let's uh, Russ Ebert obviously is that you're you're Dan Ebert, you're the 60E uh, modified driver, and and I guess he's a late model driver now, and he's, Dan's got a lot of stuff going on, but that's for another episode. Today is about you. So, um, you and I off camera, we're, we're talking about that you got started in the racing world at like 17, 18, 19 years old as a driver, right? Yeah, that's correct. I was a student at Dunwoody Institute in Minneapolis. And of course, you know, hot cars, racing cars after school, da, 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 da. Yeah. So, I got going building a building a race car to race at North Central Speedway. And that's kind of where it all started. And you know, racing's been really near and dear to me my my whole life. You know, you start out at you know, simple hobby stock, whatever you want to call it, all the way out to the to the end of it and to yeah. the crew chief at the Daytona five hundred to helping my kid here now, you know. Yeah, that's the, how amazing of a career. Like when you look back, that's pretty dang cool. So so what it was it was it hobby stock? Is that kind of where you started off? You know, I kind of think so. I, I don't, you know, there was virtually no rules. There were no right, racing yeah. tires. You know, I got an old 54 Ford and just, you know, my engineering background and so forth, you know, I'll need to get rear weight. So I remember I built a motor when I was a student at Dunwoody and I put the motor where the front seat was and I had the driver's seat in the back seat. Oh my goodness. And it was independent front suspension. <clears throat> Late Keith Mellon, you know, reminded me of the story many times because the old tracks were rough as hell. And, and of course, I had independent suspension and everybody had straight axles. And I kind of laughed at the whole deal, but wow, could I float through the holes with that thing? I bet you, know, you could. It was a pretty good hot rod right from the get go. You know, there's some guys that wish they had that today. <laughs> some, yeah. some of that independent rear suspension to keep things on the ground. But yeah. Um, so, so you told me about a decade or so that you, that you actually raced yourself, that you right. drove. Right. Um, That's correct. Basically okay. just, just mainly the central part of Minnesota. I did branch out, raced up in Canada once and over in Wisconsin a time or two, but you know, mainly the Princeton, the Granite City, or at that time, Golden Spike in North Spike, Central yeah. Speedway, Bemidji from time to time. And, uh, Back those years, every, the big deal was to win a track championship. You know, it's like, it yeah. doesn't seem like as big a deal right now. I don't know, at least for our family anymore, but man, you really went after that thing. And I know that in 75, I won all three track championships. And man, I thought I was really in the driver's seat. But, yeah, exactly. But I, I didn't get my bills paid till about December. <laughs> and I 
kind of figured, you know what, I'm not too sure this was a real wise thing to do. You know? Well, hey, yeah, it's it's uh, like they say, if you want to get into, if you want to be a millionaire in racing, you better start with two. You'll be a millionaire <laughs> in no time. So, yeah. But yeah. Um, so then on to is 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 that right when you started started uh, being crew chief for Dick? Then what happened there was <clears throat> I had a a engineering consultant job with John Deere in the middle 70s down in Horkin, Wisconsin to help develop an independent front end snowmobile because that's when that stuff was really taken sure. out. So I was stuck down in Wisconsin there and I'd kind of got no trickle at the fair. In fact, I pitted for him there in about when we won the thing like 73, we got to be pretty good friends. And so I was kind of stuck down there and then, you know, my race car was up here. So, hey, I'm going to I-70 Speedway this weekend. You want to go along? So I jumped in the truck and away we went and, you know, just hit it off really well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I could add some things to his program with regards to my technical expertise, you know, what little I had, but we just hit it off good and remained very close for many, many years. Kyle. Yeah. And that was maybe 20 years that you guys were together, right? Yeah. Middle seventies. And then when he got that, that, cup ride there in 1989 i think it was he decided to run for rookie of the year when he's about yeah. 50 years old 50 year I old kept, <laughs> i kept his short track cars up here in my shop and so we would he'd come up here and run a half a dozen times run the slinger nationals and dubuque iowa or wherever where we're down there and yeah and the dixieland challenge and the bir road course and things like that you know and he so are the are the stories true that you would you would have an asphalt car and you'd be racing somewhere and driving home and be like pass a sign and like hey there's a dirt track to with a thousand dollars to win tonight let's go race that with our asphalt car? Well, I will tell you stories that are very very true. You know there were promoters that you know Trickle was the hottest thing in town there. You know he could yeah. put people in the grandstand. You know and so promoters are after him steady. You know to come pay him show to come and race. It's kind of the way it was. You know, he'd bring the show and sign autographs for four hours, da 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 da. So, we went to a dirt track one time with a Mustang with a 351 Ford in it that we were competitive, it barely competitive on asphalt that time. And we went to this dirt track with that thing, couldn't qualify, had a windshield in it. Promoter had to put us in the back of the show, past the whole field. Track was dry slick. They got four 54 sure. Chevrolets out there, and he put around the bottom and won the won the thing. And it happened. When I was with him two or three times, you know, it's, it's just who he was, you know. Yeah, he was. Is he the best driver? And I, I'm now. I'm obviously you work with Dan Ebert, who's <laughs> who's pretty near. Is is Dick Trickle the best driver you ever worked with? Oh, he's he was a he was a legend. He was fantastic, you know. And I mean, he was a workaholic, liked to have fun. But I'll tell you what, Kyle, we won most of those races in the shop, and we loaded up to go. You know the a lot of those races, article races, we'd get there just in time to qualify and nine times out of 10, we'd set quick time. And yeah, you know, our tire program was really, really good. No doping, no cheating on tires, nothing like that. The only time there was any of that is when you went south of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. If you didn't have trick tires south of the Mason-Dixon line back those days, you were in trouble. You weren't going to be anywhere. No, yeah. we ran, we ran legit, you know? Yep. Yep. And it's, I believe it's true. I've always known it to be true that in all of NASCAR, not Cup or Xfinity or Bush Series back then, Dick is the winningest NASCAR driver in history. 
no, I don't. I don't. Wouldn't say that. I think no? Dick is okay. titled as the winningest short track driver in history because he's got. It's not documented that he's got 1,200 future wins, but it's pretty close. You know, yeah. a lot of the people have dug through it and seen it. But you know, when you race five times a week or six, yeah, you know, twin fifties on Saturday night, a hundred lapper on Sunday afternoon, race again Tuesday night at Rockford Speedway for a hundred lapper. You just pile up a lot of laps yeah. and a lot of institutional knowledge. Right, came into that institution. He was really really fair to share that knowledge with Rusty and Kenny and with Mark everybody and yeah. those guys because that's who he was yeah uh, but you just possess a tremendous amount of institutional knowledge when right. they went NASCAR racing let's face it I mean you know you're in the twilight of your career at that age not that he wasn't a tough little bugger you know but yeah hard to attract the big money rides and so forth Kyle sure yeah it's just his name obviously is what got him that ride it it reminded me a little bit of uh Steve Pinzer had just a real short little NASCAR career and, and wasn't super successful, which Dick wasn't overly successful in, in his cup career either. Right. But, but um, man, oh man, like it's just, it blows me away to that. You, you had obviously the front row seat to all of that. And, 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 I would think in a lot of cases is are responsible for a lot of that. Like you say, you, you win races in the shop before you ever, before the ramps ever come down on the trailer at the track, you're, you're winning in the shop. Well, you know, our shop work was, you know, second to none. And we usually were building a new car or two every year. So I didn't go to, I went to very few short track local races, but I went to all the bigger shows, you know, the, right. the big money lappers were the, where you got the rake out and made some money, you know, right. Uh, right. That's kind of how it went, but you know, you know, <laughs> racing drives technology. It just does. If you get whooped, you know, you go to work and yeah, you got to figure it I'll out. Be the first to tell you that we got whooped a couple times in those twenty years, pretty good. And once one stretch by Mark Martin there, and another stretch by Butch Miller. But I remember being at the shop with Trickle at twelve, one o'clock at night, thinking and figuring this, that, the other thing, and slowly, slowly, we built another new car and went to Columbus and. Ohio and whooped it on them, you know. Keep those guys, yeah, exactly. And that's there's always that one-upsmanship kind of thing. There was I listened to a lot of podcasts, and there was a podcast that I listened to recently that was um, uh, I forget who the heck it was, but they they would talk about that, and this was at the cup level. They were talking about that you don't ever you're always about ten steps ahead of where the rules are right now. Like we've got a car, we've got stuff. That we're not we're not putting the, this thing on the car we're going to put this thing on the car because when they make a rule against this we're just going to go to this and then to this and then to this you know so as you're as they create rules against your new your new thing right. you got another new thing right away yeah you know and there was a lot of technology developed there and you know they weren't necessarily against the rules but nascar's really tightened up a lot i mean yeah yeah they Back really in the day, Corporate America drove it because corporate America doesn't want to be involved with a car. Hey, the car's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we won the race. And, you know, things really changed there when the big money came in. You know, sure. Dick made more money racing short tracks than he could race, race a NASCAR right. during those early years because it didn't pay a lot great. But all of a sudden, when the big money came in and the big, big corporate thing came in and it really took off, you know, Dick was able to demand huge contracts it's crazy you couldn't get that kind of money today and he'd have been a fool to not do it even though you know we could win 
a lot of races, short track racing all over right. the United States. You know, well, it becomes a, like, like you say, he's he's at the at, when he was a rookie, he was in his fifties, and so right. that's a yeah. Go go get some money, man. Like that's yeah. that you got to do that kind of thing. And his name was selling that for sure. So to answer your question about good divers and great drivers and so forth. You know, I firmly believe dirt track right, racers, you got to have a good driver to be real competitive on dirt because you got conditions changing steady. Yeah. Not yeah, that all the when time, the sun yeah. comes out, not that when the sun comes out at Milwaukee on a 150 mile in the afternoon, the car doesn't get free on you. But you got to have your setup so precise on pavement, really, really precise. And in dirt, you know, the driver can make up for quite a bit of it, you know, yeah. you can. Timmy Johnson, classic example. I mean, talk about a guy that can wheel a race car, you know. Yeah. I mean, I and Shane Sabraski would fall in there too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Shane with cars that weren't necessarily the best handling cars and take them to the front, you know. Yep, yep. I've always said Tim, Tim is one of those guys. If you if you if you could put a a five horse Briggs in a in a wheelbarrow, he would figure out how to win with that sucker. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. saw him win a race, pass three cars, and win a race uh, with the the spring had fallen out of the right rear, and so it was a super stock, and so he would come down. He couldn't see the the front end was hiked up so much he couldn't see, and so he would come out of the turn, set the <laughs> car down. Okay, I got to go a little further. Bring it back up. Get into the turn, and he was passing cars and won the race like Unreal. six laps with no right rear spring at all. Unreal. And uh, yeah. who does that? Nobody does that. But no, no. So, for sure. so let's let's talk about obviously your your car, you know the the chassis, the suspension, the tires, all of that stuff. You're you're a genius at. You've kind of passed a lot of that on to Dan and to his his gang of guys that that help him out, but. You helped another legend uh, in the snowcross world become the legend that he is in the snowcross world. There's a guy by the name of Tucker Hibbert that owes a lot of his career to you as well. Well, so that's kind of a funny story there, because when Dick went south, <clears throat> then I could, you know, get after the snowmobile thing pretty good. So I moved up to Thief River Falls there. And Kirk and I are really good friends. We talk from time to time and right along. But Kirk was busy racing. And Tucker was like 14 years old or some damn thing. And he said, you know, would you consider taking my son racing? I said, yeah, I guess so. He said, maybe get him out six times and just coach him, Russ, and you know the ropes and racing and see how this can go. Well, six times turned out to be, I think, 26. Because yeah. <laughs> it seemed like it raced every weekend. But then that drove technology again. All of a sudden, kid wants to go to the X Games. So I started in July hand-building a snowmobile. I bent the tunnel up here in my shop hand built that thing. I mean, downsized every fastener and everywhere I possibly could. And I mean, the thing was like 30 pounds under minimum weight. It had put 30 pounds of lead in it down by the chain oh. case to get it up to weight, you know. And I mean, he just dominated with that thing. It was almost unfair, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But that drove technology within the, our company to take a lot of that technology and move it into new products also. Sure, yeah. That's kind of how that went, you know. Yeah, you. I think about... Um, because I remember that he he had to get a waiver in order to even race because he was only 15 years old, I think, when he yeah. won his first gold medal. And and it was you're right, it was unfair. Like it was he was so yeah. far ahead and like 
his writing style and the stand-up, like he sort of invented the whole stand-up thing and and um he and Blair uh, Morgan, they brought that stand-up thing to the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for sure. And it's and now look at every new snowmobile today isn't designed to sit. I, I don't know why there's a seat on them. I suppose you sit on it while you're pumping gas in it. I don't know why yeah. there's a seat on sleds today, but. Yeah, it's it's um, a good point. I just thought about that the, the other day when I met some snowmobiles coming down the ditch. Two out of three of them were standing up, you know. Yeah, exactly. But it's comfortable to stand up because the bars are up there. and Yeah, because they're up here. Yeah. yeah. And so I got to tell you, I am I sit down. I'm too lazy to stand up. I'm not in good enough shape to to go for a hundred mile stand up ride. I that's I still sit down, but so do I. Yeah. <laughs> so do I, Kyle. And so um, but there's your the 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 theme of your whole career is is innovation and 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 being not a step ahead, but being 15 steps ahead of what else is going on at that time kind of a thing. So you know, um, Kyle, you know, everybody's blessed in this world by the good Lord with talents and various areas of the occupations we work in, you know what I mean? And it just seems like, you know, I was fortunate enough to have some skill set, but you have to work at it really hard. I mean, it's, yeah. motorsports is hard work if you're going to run up front, as you well, know. And it's to that point. I've, I've told people before, and maybe I, I don't know if this is against the rules or I don't think it is, but obviously I'm, I live in Brainerd here. You guys live in Brainerd. And, and so we're at North Central Speedway pretty, pretty frequently. I used to be there every Saturday night, obviously, when I was announcing there and, and, but I still go to the races because I love racing. Sure. More often than not, about the third to the last feature in halls, the 60 hauler at the end of the night and and the last feature you know goes on the lights stay on and and dan ebert rolls over the top of the hill and we'll go run five laps pull off some secret adjustment go run five laps pull off secret adjustment five laps and load up and go home and and that's part of that you know that's not necessarily the shop but it's it's kind of the workshop you know go out and let's we think we have something different in this shock or that tire or, or this weight here, whatever kind of thing, and we should go test it out in race conditions. You show up when the track is at its worst possible situation and see if it works. And that's, it's pretty cool. You know, Cliff Sasker has been, he's really been good for motor racing and, and that he's kept yeah. that track going through lean times and so forth. And Cliff's always been good to Dan and let us come out to do some testing. And I don't like to have him keep the lights on too long, but he's never said, hey, better shut her down. But yeah, you know, there's not really hot laps, so to speak, when you're with soda racing. And so nope, you, know, you want to try a different shock package. And Dan works on shocks. Like Dan's taken the suspension technology past Russ for sure. No yeah. question about it. You know, yep. I mean, obviously when you get started, the basic stuff, and I still use one of Trickle's old analogies to this day with kids. Dick would say, if we were in the basement and that floor above us was glass and that was a racetrack, everybody's sitting on there with four little spots. And some of those four little spots as the race are going to go forward, some of them are going to stay there, and some of them are going to go backwards. Yep. And it's really not about motors because most everybody's got good motors nowadays, they're engines, you know, other than some don't drive so well, but everybody's got power. 
and you're on a spec tire, so to speak. So now it's so much about weight distribution. How do I distribute that weight yep. on this vehicle? I don't want to burn up all your time, but Charlotte Motor Speedway, mile and a half track. Feel free to we burn picked, up my time, Russ. <laughs> we picked up two tents with a nation of a bush car there one time, just with compression control in the right front shock. And I learned a lesson there. that's a long time ago. Hell, it's 20 years ago, I guess. But that shock absorber is a timing device in so many ways. And how that weight that wants to go to that right front when you're running 170 miles an hour, how that weight gets there and how soon it gets there. I mean, you can take take shock off and just dump that weight right on that right front tire right now. And or you can figure out how you can distribute that properly and have the proper attitude then when you're right in the apex to have that car at the right attitude to get off there again. Trickle was a master at that stuff. I mean, he, I learned a ton from the guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine he was one of those guys that could take it when it wasn't perfect and figure, you know, move the line up the track or, or back the corner up or get on the, 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 the gas before the apex, all that kind of stuff. He, I would imagine he was a yeah, great- Yeah, he was good at it. He was yeah, good at yeah. it. it was, uh, I wouldn't trade the years for nothing, even though you, at the time, sometimes the hours you put in, I bet. Crazy. You know, and I we bet. had a pilot, you know, and we had two trucks going and several cars. We'd have a car in Kansas City, Missouri, and a car in Colburn, Virginia, and Dick could fly back and forth. I'd usually almost always fly with him. And sometimes we'd have a car at Kirkana by Green Bay to fly back and race on Sunday afternoons. I mean, it's just crazy schedule. That's how I became a pilot is because I sat so much front seat with his pilot and Dick was bumping me all the time. Just learned. You need to get an airplane, you need to get an airplane. Because Johnny doesn't want you being down here all the time. You need to go back and see her once in a while. So he kind of helped me get going there to get, to buy my first airplane, you know. And uh, so he rented a hangar for me and paid me rent on it. I mean, what a guy, you know. Yeah. What a guy. Yep. 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 So you mentioned I, I, you you said something at the beginning here that I didn't know about you is you crew chief the Daytona 500. Yeah, you see some guys. Paul Dick up one and run their, their car at the 500. And so Dick called me there and said, we've got to get a crew. They didn't have crap, you know, for people. Yeah. It was an old Terry Labonte car. The guys are from Denver, Colorado. I think it was number, I think the number turned out to be 42. But anyway, yeah, so I was a crew chief. Was that and the front row motorsports guys now? It's not no. This, no, okay. Well, this guy, this fella, I, I can't remember his name. I kind of got to know him a little later in life because the FBI came looking. Oh! interviewed trickle and interviewed me about this particular endeavor Now we did nothing wrong you know yeah. i mean nothing but i remember we were, we weren't fast and dick knew shoulders pretty well went out a, bought a carburetor from shoulders and picked up about 300 rpm on the trial on the front stretch here right away and yeah. what a learning experience you know <laughs> i mean to try to get that thing to tech you talk about drive you crazy because those cup guys they get they got their buddies they roll through their new bonnets cars right ahead of us going through tech hell i looked at where his carburetor was at compared to the airbox the airbox is in the air and it was almost touching the carburetor and ours was a foot back and they went on further back yet you know what i mean <laughs> politics right yeah but anyway on the last corner the last lap dick passed alan quickie to make the show alan didn't wow. make it dick did I, i'll never forget it but dick was in his prime man he was a tough little bugger at that time you know yeah. this is in the oh i don't know 80 some damn time you know sure. That was the uh, open face helmet with the bubble goggles and the cigarette days. Oh, probably, you know, he wasn't <laughs> much on full face. You know, when we built cars, I 
pretty much wired all the cars, built the wiring harnesses, did all the plumbing, brake lines, da 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 da. But you know, we built you know everything was the three L's in pavement racing: light, low, and left. So the switch was down by your left arm, and that's where the on-off switch was. That's where the cigarette or cigarette lighter was, and everything. You know, that's where you that's that's where you built it. You know. Can you imagine a car with a cigarette lighter in it today, Russ? No. no. <laughs> that's no. just. Oh, what a, what a crazy time that was back in the day. So yeah. my older son works for a cup team down south. And so I hear bits and pieces about what's going on with that new car and sure. their, their attempt to try to cut some cost, you know, because, you know, they just don't have owners willing to step up. To, yeah. And the corporate America is not in there at the level they once were. You know right. what I mean? It's, right. it's tough, you know. Yeah, everybody's yeah. got five primary sponsors throughout the year instead of one. Yep. You know, like the, the days of, uh, you know, Jeff Gordon being the DuPont car right. for his entire career or the Lowe's car for Jimmy, you know, that kind of stuff. I think just that's, it's pretty, pretty few and far between where there's one sponsor that's the same guy all year long kind of thing. So and see to me, Kyle, there's a lesson to be learned there. You know, when the big shoe, the big hitter on the top struggling and we know car counts probably aren't at the level we'd like them to be in yep. soda land or wherever it is. I mean, you get the specials winter time you get them, but that old CTC, uh, which I've used many times cost to compete. You know, if you don't control that thing, kids aren't going to get into it. And when oh. they do get into it, they're going to drop out of it because mom and dad can't afford it. And right. school's coming. We got to buy school shoes and some clothes here and exactly. park the race car, you know, yep. and, it's the old uh, factory MasterCard and Visa ride. Only, yeah. only lasts until the limit. <laughs> right, right. And then you're, uh, and then you got to figure out a different sponsor. And it's, it's. Um, I've talked a lot on this show, even in the in the brief amount of episodes that I've had, about that. Like, how do we get more drivers here? And how, and that's always a, a topic of, uh, is, it it can't cost twenty five thousand dollars to run a sport compact or a, or a, a hobby stock or a, a streeter kind of a thing it because no one like not no one very few people can do that and sustain it to become the modified driver you know to, to create a name for yourself where where somebody with some was it some deep pockets is paying you to race at that right. point or buying right. you a car you know, where you've proven your talent kind of thing so. i have felt for i've made myself pretty vocal because i'm on the wasota competition committee with a few other fellows there and I've brought that up a lot of times we've got to pay attention to hornets and keep a big field of hornets because that's what you're going to get as a progression I feel you have to have a mandatory move up because if somebody just gets to dominate the thing in a couple three years you got to move on you know what I mean even if they had to leave the sport because you got to keep a flow going there and as you say to ever get a field of modified drivers late model drivers at the end of the tunnel you know exactly yeah yep so I think I could talk to you for about four hours on this Zoom call, Russ. But um, we always do a thing, and it and it's we're we're doing. I, I was supposed to have a guest uh, tonight, right before yours, um, and I was keeping it a secret from you who that guest was. Uh, but you know him pretty well. He's tomorrow morning uh, leaving for Texas, uh, and and so your son was supposed to be my guest tonight, and and he canceled on me. He goes, Kyle, it's it's absolutely crazy. We're getting ready to go to Texas. And so can we postpone it and do it next week? Absolutely, we can. I, I don't want to hold up racing. So, but I always do this thing called the pay it forward question. 
Uh, and, and so I was going to have Dan ask you a question that I was going to go for, but we're going to do it in reverse order because Dan is going to be the next guest. Um, now next week, I'll, I'll interview him. And so what is, what is your question for Dan Ebert? My question for Dan Ebert is, will you please retire from car racing so that I can retire and maybe do a little fishing in the last years of my life? <laughs> well, I hope he, I hope he turns you down. Like I hope for, for the rest of our sake, yeah. but, uh, but I, I, I do hope that you get to go wet a line and, and, uh, and maybe just be a spectator at a couple races. Although I, I, I know your generation well enough. Uh, my father-in-law and you grew up together and, and he's obviously the same age and, and, uh, and he can't quit working either. And so it is, uh, there's certain people and it's all in your generation that you, you just suck at retirement is the problem. <laughs> and, and you don't know how to stop working, but, uh, well, I'd like to try to stay on the right side of the dandelions for a few more years here, if possible. I hope you do. I hope and, you do. Uh, there's, you're, there's, there's too much in that in that brain of yours uh, that the rest you know, of us need to learn a little bit of. So I really, I really enjoy working on engines, and I pretty much do all Dan's engine work. Obviously, we have machine shop stuff, do stuff, but I disassemble, inspect, and help with the selection of camshafts, and take 30 horsepower off the top to get something that'll drive really good. And and uh, you know, on these dirt tracks, when she, when you're racing that feature and it's slick and that's when you need to have the paycheck coming, you've got to have drivability and yep. so many people just think about horsepower and, and I don't. Yeah, no, it's got to, I, I've always said that it's, and it's like my, you know, obviously on a thousand levels lower, I ice race and it's, I always equate it to the same. You can have 10,000 horsepower until you get it hooked to the racetrack. It doesn't matter how much horsepower you have. If you can hook 10,000 horsepower to the track, build it but right. but uh an 800 horsepower car or a 400 horsepower car might go the same speed if the 400 horsepower car is hooked to the track kind of drivability you know and yep. what about that what about that job that james trantina is doing down there with granite city speedway i uh I, I don't know if you know it or not but i'm i'm going to be the announcer down there and Congratulations. uh i uh I, I cannot wait i i see all the the i see all the stuff that that James and, and his team of people are putting together down there with all the sponsorship. And there's, there's 20, it's 24 weeks, 32 races. How do you, how do you get 32 races into 24 weeks? Uh, I, I'm, but I, I couldn't be more excited to be a part of what's going on down there and, and, uh, and to build a premier event destination kind of a place for people to come to where they, we're like, no, no, we got to go to Granite City because that's where the action's at kind of a thing, you know? Well, you know, he's he's wise beyond his years and he's an entrepreneur that's somewhat of a risk taker, but I also see these risks are pretty calculated that he does. Yeah, you bet they And are. I really like the fact that he's not going to just lock in. We're racing five classes of cars or 10 classes of cars on Sunday night. That's what's going to happen. But mix this thing up, make it a yep. show, you know? Yeah. There's some Tuesday night races and there's a lot of Friday, Saturday, Sunday races. And there's, he's even have, he's cross, dare he, uh, cross, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, sanctioning bodies, I, maybe? Sanctioning bodies. Yeah. yeah. He's having an IMCA race at a Wasota track. And um, uh, 
that's outside the box. Nobody does that. And so mm -hmm. it is, um, and it, it arguably might be the biggest race of the year. I suppose the world of Outlast Sprint Cars are going to be there on, on June 5th. But outside of that, a, a $10,000 to win race going to pull some cars in kind oh, of thing. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure, really. I have a lot of respect for will be there. Pardon? I said maybe even that 60 car will be there no, for that race. I don't know. You know, Dan's in Mooresville there. And he's doing shock stuff for people all over the damn country. And I, it's hard, going to be hard for him to do as much racing as he yeah. probably like to this summer. Yeah. Uh, well, adulting is catching up with him for sure. Right, right. But maybe, maybe him slowing down a little bit lets your fishing habit get a little better. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't fished much in years and I live here and look out at the lake here. And, and I like, I still do a little hunting in the fall because I enjoy that irregardless of the racing, but. I tell you, I like what you folks are doing for motor racing because we need as much exposure and we need fan-friendly facilities that aren't racing at midnight. Right. And tracks that aren't covering people up so damn bad with dirt. They're coughing you the next day. There's a lot of things, but a lot of it's just what you're doing, getting exposure out there to that non-race type person. Yep. Yep. That's not that i'll help it any because no you're about that side of it you you're know? uh this i i almost promise you i would almost put a hundred dollar bill on it that this is going to be one of the most watched shows and most shared shows uh because it, humble as you are and we love you that you're humble but you're freaking russ ebert and and no. the only guy who doesn't know that is russ ebert and so uh -huh. it is I'm nothing special. I just, you know, we just work at it hard, you know, and it's certainly not about me. It's about the people here that, that support Dan's program. I mean, yeah. no way, you know, I mean, he's got some great helpers that help him and got a great uh, owner and James there. And yeah. And uh, you know, I try to bring to the table what I can, you know, and a, and a great wife that is allowing him to, to yes. follow his passion and his dreams. And so he got a dandy enough. there that Ashley is a keeper. I'll tell you. Yeah. For dang sure. Yeah. So, well, Russ, I uh, I will definitely ask Dan if he's willing to quit racing so that Dad can can officially retire. Uh, <laughs> but here's here's what I picture is is five years from now, you're you're a pro fisherman. You've reinvented the fishing rod and the fishing reel to make it way better than what it is. <laughs> because I don't think you can quit innovating. I think that's just who you are, man. I, I you know and. I'm just, I struggle with not improving on things. I just do. It drives <laughs> exactly. me nuts when, you know, take time, labor out of something, you know. It's yeah, exactly. Life kind of, you know. Well, Russ, like I said, I, I think I could talk to you for hours. I appreciate you taking the time to, to, to come on with me. It is, it is my absolute honor to have you on and uh, I'm sure we'll see you around town again soon. Thank you very much, Kyle. And keep up the good work, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye.